0: Welcome to Tattooed Freaks and Business Suits, recorded live in the offices of the Personal Touch Career Services in Denver, Colorado. I'm your host, Donna Shannon. As a professional career coach, I help people navigate the hiring maze to get to jobs that they really love. So we work with job seekers one-on-one. I've got a book out there. I don't have any guests today, but I do wanna talk about that thing I just mentioned. Are you able to find a job that you love? And what does that actually mean? So anyways, overall, our show's purpose is to really explore and redefine the world of work, especially as Gen X, millennials, and those to come after us seek positions of leadership that still allow them to be themselves. So every show, we will explore a topic related to business or job searching. And of course, we're gonna talk about tattoos. So anyways, my company is the Personal Touch Career Services, so please check out all that we have to offer, such as resumes, career coaching, LinkedIn profiles, anything you need to get that better job. We are at personaltouchcareerservices.com. Once again, that's personaltouchcareerservices.com, or you know, you can just Google it. So, as you may have guessed, I wanna talk a little bit about job satisfaction, happiness, and all the rest of that good kind of stuff like that. Now, one of the first questions that always comes up is, can money buy you happiness? Hmm, well, you know what? There's actually been studies done around this. Of course there has. And the studies show that money can buy happiness, or at least life satisfaction, up to a certain point. But let's take first and foremost a look at what not having money is like. And as somebody who was a single mom with three kids and uh, receiving food stamps at one point in my life, I can definitely tell you this uh, this tactic is true. So there was a study done by the CDC here in the United States that found adults living below the poverty level we three to four times more likely to have depression than adults living at or above the poverty level. Well, that makes perfect sense. If you're stressing on how to pay your bills or how to put food on the table, things like, oh, am I happy in my job are not necessarily going to be your pressing concerns. Comes right back into the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Bottom level, if you're not taking care of your basic needs, food, shelter, all the rest of that, you're not gonna be going after the self-actualization stuff at the top of the pyramid. So what is it this magic number that's gonna make us happy? Well, studies have shown that uh, now this is a 2010 study that, that surveyed about 450,000 Americans and they found that participants with higher incomes reported higher emotional well being, up to an annual income of $75,000. After that, it actually drops off. So, what does that mean? Well, up to that $75,000, that's when actually having more money makes an impact. You're able to live in a better place, you've got your basic needs being taken care of you can go out and do some fun things on top of having just meet what's the rent getting paid this month or not but after that it kind of plateaus and then you start getting into the trade-offs like for example it may be awesome to say you've got a salary of three hundred thousand dollars but if you're working 80 hours a week to achieve that it definitely hits your happiness index so to speak Because let's face it, one of the big reasons people come to me and ask for help is they're tired of putting in those kind of hours because it's sacrificing things like family time or vacations or freedom. Let's just talk about freedom, right? So I want to discuss a little bit more about goals as it comes to your career. A lot of times when people think about goals for their career, they go, okay, what titles of jobs do I want? Or things like this, but that's not necessarily the kind of goals that make us happy in our actual work. I like to break it down into an exercise where very simply on a piece of paper, you're going to make that infamous T. Most people realize that it was like a pros and cons list. But instead of pros and cons, I want you to write down what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And I want you to think about what is it that actually makes you happy or satisfied within a job. For example, I want you to write down very specifically, what is your target salary range? And it needs to be very specific dollars. It can't be, I want to earn more money. It needs to be something along the lines of, I want to earn a salary of 100 to $150,000 on the base. That's important. Is this all cash or is there going to be other considerations as well? On the flip side, what you're not willing to do, I am not willing to take a salary under $90,000 a year. Another example is, what about benefits? How important are benefits to you? And more importantly, which ones in what's a drop dead requirement and what is just gravy? So for example, you might necessarily need um, medical dental, right, vision is gravy, 401k with a match, how much of a match are you looking for? Do you want a 5% match, a 7% match, or is that all just gravy? You just wanna have some opportunity to contribute to a 401k. On the flip side, are you willing to even put up with a company that would offer no benefits whatsoever, but maybe give you a, like, a stipend, give you a stipend or some supplemental cash to make you go out and buy your own? it might be a trade-off you would consider. Beyond things like that, let's talk about industry for a moment. What kind of industries are you specifically looking for? When you're considering things like industry, I like to look at a couple of different factors here. Of course, you've got the industry that you've been in, if you still are enjoying that one, but if you're not sure what other industries you might be drawn to, take a look at some of the top industries in your area. We used to say things like, do what you love and the money will follow. I really don't buy into that script. What I like to say is find where the money is and do what you like within it. So what that means is figure out what are some of the hot employers or hot industries or emerging technologies, emerging kind of opportunities, and then see what you want to do within them. That's a lot easier than trying to figure out what's my passion, what's my purpose. And it often can lead to some opportunities that maybe you had never thought of before. So make sure that you're taking a look around your current market to see what sort of industries are active. You might be surprised. Now, Let's talk about a real hot button issue for a lot of people. What about remote work? Since the pandemic, have you been spoiled a little bit and really enjoyed working from home? Or do you absolutely hate the isolation of having to never go into the office and never deal with humans because you're scaring at computer screens all day long? Maybe you want the blended approach, half home, half in the office, There are no right or wrong answers. It's all about what's important to you. Another thing to take a look at is huge, and that's the corporate culture. I like to point out a lot of the negatives on this one. So if you are not willing to work with a negative company culture, or that screaming crazy control freak who like yells at people and throws things, That's an important thing to know in your I am not willing to do this column. It's kind of like a dating app when you're out there looking for a job or trying to figure out your next move. We need to understand, okay, are we looking for somebody who wants to do long walks on the beach or maybe hiking in the mountains? Equally important, do you want somebody with similar political views? You need to make notes of those things because one problem I see job seekers and dating people make all the, pro- you yeah, know, common, common mistake is they talk themselves into the job or they whitewash, you know, what's going on with this other person just because they're so enamored with the glittering generalities. One of my clients came back to me recently and she was quite upset. With the company that she hired on, because when she was first hired, she was told that they were going to, you know, it was a part time position they hired her for. And then they were going to make her full time. But things changed with the company. And they're no longer able to do that plan. And my client keeps saying to me, but they promised, they promised me that they were going to make me full time within two to three months, and now they're not doing it. I'm like, okay, number one, they never put that in writing, so that's not a real contractual obligation. Number two, conditions changed for the business. It's not personal, they're not holding this against you, they're not out to break your heart on purpose, It's just business. And when conditions change, plans have to change. What this says to you as an employee, your plans can change as well. If you're not able to hang in there for a job that's part-time that might go full-time in three to five years, the answer is pretty obvious. You need to start looking once again. You actually have to let go of that expectation of what they promised so that you can move on in maturity and go, you know what? Things change. The company changed. This is not nearly as stable as what I thought. I'm going to go back to the drawing board. Now that I've learned something else about what I am willing and not willing to do and really commit to finding that full-time opportunity and not settling or falling in love with the company when they're making sweet words during the dating phase, also known as the interviews. So those are just a few things that you need to be considering when you're talking about your goals for your job and what you're willing and not willing to do. The more specific you are about these criteria, the more effective it's going to be in your job search. The next activity I like to pull people through is what I call the four L's. So I want you to think about the actual functions within the job itself, your duties, your responsibilities. What are you actually doing day in, day out? We're going to put it into four columns. Do you love it, like it, live with it, or loathe it? So, love it means you would happily do more of this. These are the kind of things that you would do even if people weren't paying you to do it. I fall into that category all the time. <laughs> I love doing stand-up comedy, so I often forget to charge people for me to stand up on stage because you want me to be on stage to do 10 minutes? I'm there. I will just do it. Oh, wait, money? <laughs> What's money? <laughs> yeah. Not really smart business sense, but I'm passionate about it and I love it. It's real hard to, you know, make sure I get paid. Anyways, like it. These are the things I enjoy, but they're not necessarily my overwhelming passion. Live with it. You know, I can do this if it's an essential part of the job. And loathe it. You know, I would give anything to not have to do this ever again now our goal is in your next position that you'll be moving towards the things you love and like and less of the things you know you have to live with or hate but you know we're grown-ups we understand there's always going to be a part of a job that's not the funnest thing in the world that's why they call it work it's not called play and just accept that and let's walk through a sample that i put together for a salesperson. So in this case, the salesperson absolutely loves negotiating large contracts. They absolutely. Three, two, one. So in this case, the salesperson absolutely loves negotiating large contracts, working with senior level decision makers. Honestly, the thrill of closing the deals is the biggest thing for them and even growing the territory and also growing their paycheck at the same time because they're on commission. Like it? Well, they're okay with traveling 25% of the time. They kind of enjoy creating presentations. It's not a burning passion, but it's fun to put them together. They like to learn about new projects and products and um, actually they enjoy the networking events. Live with it? Uh, well, cold calling to unqualifying leads. Let's face it, very few people find that fun, but they can live with it because it's an essential part of the job. Or creating very detailed or technical proposals and the data entry in the CRM program It's kind of like, blah, whatever. Loathe it? typical salesperson really hates the pointless administrative tasks or hours and hours of desk work or many many salespeople suffered especially during the pandemic lockdowns because of too many zoom meetings versus meeting people person to person so think about it what really makes you happy in your job what do you love what do you like What can you live with and what do you loathe? It's really important to understand these things so once again, you don't sell yourself into a job that's a bad fit. I'm gonna give you another example of a client I worked with. Now this gentleman was a fairly recent college graduate and he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. He knew he wanted to do something with the professional sports world. So we're here in Denver, so possibly working with the Broncos, Colorado Avalanche, the Nuggets, any of those professional sports teams. And he had studied some things like sports medicine and sports business while he was attending college. So he's given himself some background there. And we're going through things. And he's also got expertise in marketing, really enjoys doing like the creative aspects of Anything having to do with marketing and the messaging involved with it. So awesome. We could get him involved in the promotions team with one of the sports leagues. So he would be very happy with those kind of things. Or especially wants to work directly with the athletes. So when we talk about the things that he loved, that was diving deeply into those. But here's the thing. I found out about an internship program with Cronky Sports. Cronky is the people who own the Avalanche, the Colorado Mammoth, or lacrosse team, and the Denver Nuggets. And their internship program, it was in the sales department. So literally getting on the phones for three months, day in, day out, pounding, dialing for dollars, trying to get people interested in or selling them season ticket packages. So here's the thing. Sometimes when way to get into a job or a company that you like, you find a door opening that may not be your ideal goal, but you work your way up from there. Classic example of, oh, I first got my job in radio, literally working part-time in the mail room and I worked my way up in the actual business office and then I made this huge leap over to the production side. so I was like a morning show producer but literally started off in the mail room that's a real career path into a company that you really want to work for so we were thinking we could get him in on the internship and From there, once he got his foot in and proved himself to be a hard worker and a team player and just a really all-around stand-up guy, he could start making the connections and networking with people in other departments to make the move into anything from the promotions, like the in-game Uh, entertainment that they do. That's any of the things you see on the Jumbotron or the promotional teams walking around during the game or helping out with the advertising department on the marketing messaging, because he understands how, you know, they're selling things to the actual season ticket holders and things along these lines, right? sounds like a plausible plan. Well, we walked him through his four L's. Turns out the thing he hated the most was cold calling, prospecting, dialing people up on the phone, feeling like he was bothering them and just like not getting good fuzzy feelings from that. He absolutely hated it. But what he loved was working with people one-on-one to help them achieve their goals or to have breakthroughs or to understand how to implement a fitness program for themselves. And then actually in the like, it's was that all the things with the marketing and the creative aspects of stuff. And what we came to realize is if he had actually signed up for that internship, it would have been a disaster. Not only would he have absolutely hated every single day on the job, the worst thing is he would kill all the contacts at Cronky Sports. He would build a, a, a reputation as an underperformer, somebody who could not deliver when the chips were down. And because he's also pounding away in, in a, honestly, a situation that just is sucking his soul and crushing his spirit, he's going to be seen as somebody who's not even enthusiastic about the job. They have no love or understanding about the sports just the worst possible outcome that he could have. Obviously, we didn't do it. Didn't even apply, ran like that, like hell from that. But when we looked at those love it's and like it's for him, we started going, you know what? Probably what's going to be a better career path for you is something along the lines of a personal trainer or working within like a fitness club or something along those lines a smaller organization where he could have worn many hats expressed his creative chops get involved in the messaging understanding what really drives people in fitness and why would they want to be purchasing this kind of stuff anyways that was his area of strength and that's what he enjoyed doing Thank God we realized all of this stuff for him very early in his career, so he could move towards things that he actually loved and liked and a little bit less of the things he hated. Now, what can you do with all this stuff now that you have it written out? This can be your wonderful guidepost when it comes to evaluating job opportunities whether it's investigating the company before you apply or even walking in at the interview itself. One of my recent clients, too, actually coming through our 60-day job search program, she completed the goals exercises here and the four L's, and then she was flying off to San Francisco to interview with a startup company. And she told me when she got back that, she could tell this was going to be a good opportunity for her because literally before going into the interviews with these people, she looked at what was she willing and not willing to do. She reviewed her four L's and as they were talking about the positions and this thing was a long interview too. This was a senior leadership role. I mean, target salary on the base was over $450,000. Serious player, serious opportunity. So literally staying there with them for a full day. And as they're talking about the company and where they're going and what they're envisioning for this role, she's comparing it to her list. Does this fit with what I am willing and what I am not willing to do? Is this going to demand for me that I do too many things that I actually hate in building it? Or am I really diving into the purpose of what I love about it? And in the end, she did take the job because it fit more of the checkboxes on the things she loved and liked and what she was willing to do and not as much on what she was not willing to do. Always remember whenever you're talking to a company, you are interviewing them as much as you are being interviewed. It has to be a good fit on both sides of the table. And just remember, they're keeping a tally in the backs of their minds on how well do you fit their organization? Do you fit their culture? Do you fit their purpose, their passion, their drive, what they need? What are they willing and not willing to do for an employee? And if you think they're not doing that, You are being very naive because that is the way an interview process actually works. It's got to make sure the values alignment is there. So there we go. That's all my tidbits on the kind of things that might make you happy. And along those lines, tattoos obviously make me very happy. And um, I think I'm getting ready to do my next tattoo And the big question now is, do I do something serious or am I going to get something ridiculous? And on the ridiculous, I need a Pikachu tattoo. Yes, I am a Pokemon trainer. I've been watching Pokemon cartoons since they first came out in like the mid to late 90s. Pikachu is my favorite. I just can't decide if I'm gonna get Pikachu on my right shoulder. My husband says this is so cheesy, but it, it kind of goes with the thing, because if you know anything about Pokemon, uh, Pikachu rides on Ash's shoulder all the time. He's kind of a rebel. He doesn't want to stay in his Pokeball. He wants to be out and about and interacting with everybody and seeing what's going on. As a matter of fact, you try to put him in the Pokeball, he's going to jump right out. He's kind of got an attitude, kind of like me. That's why I need a Pikachu. Ha. <laughs> Uh, so I could get a Pikachu on my shoulder. Ryan says that's cheesy, but I do have like the lower left part of my leg is turning into my ridiculous tattoos and maybe I'll just add him there since that's kind of like the whole genre of ridiculousness on my body. Hmm. But you want to know the real reason why I want a Pikachu tattoo specifically? Here's the deal in case you don't know about Pokemon, is Pikachu is actually quite an unexpectedly strong Pokemon. A typical Pikachu is not that big of a deal. They're not that strong. I mean, sure, they have a pretty cool electric attack and all the rest of this. The whole reason why Team Rocket wants to steal Ash's Pikachu is because for some reason... Nobody knows why this particular Pikachu is the most powerful Pikachu ever born or created or hatched or whatever in the entire Pokemon world. He does things not just popping out of his ball unexpectedly, but he can like take down an entire Gyarados or something just incredibly you would never expect a Pikachu to do, right? And a lot of times I feel that's me. If you look at me, I'm kind of round and a little pudgy, like a Pikachu. But I have done things in my life and in my career that have been way unexpected and way above what people thought I could do with a humble background as like a teen mom. You know, some of it is because I just believed that I could and I just stuck with it. The... (laughs) the defiant aspects too. Oh, you think I can't do this? Well, just watch me. I'm gonna do it anyways. But here's the other thing about Pikachu. Sometimes he gets sad. And you know what? Sometimes I get sad too and I just have to take a sad day to sit in the polka center and get my cheeks rubbed and recharge my batteries so that I can go out there and do amazing things once again. But without the rest and recovery period, you know what? I am not gonna be ready for the next polka battle. That's just the way it is. Anyways, I will keep you up to date as soon as the Pikachu tattoo appears. And of course, I'll be happy to share the artist where I got all of that done. So that's all that I have for you today. If you were to pick a tattoo that you loved, liked, live with it, and let's face it, sometimes we get tattoos done that we just absolutely hate. They fall into the loathe categories. I love to see tattoo fails. I love bad tattoos too. So go ahead and share them with us. I'd love to see your hideous art as well as your masterpieces. Until next time, bye listening to Tattooed Freaks in Business Suits, produced by the Personal Touch Career Services. Our host is Donna Shannon. All music has been ethically sourced and licensed from sounddogs.com and epidemicsound.com. Support the arts, we certainly do. Join us next time as we continue to explore the evolving world of work and leadership in the United States. If you are interested in being a guest Or if you would like to receive a complimentary career evaluation, please visit the contact page at PersonaltouchCareerServices.com. Once again, that's PersonaltouchCareerServices.com. Or you can just Google it.